0: Johnny, they're all gonna laugh at you, they're all gonna laugh at you, get away from her you bitch, we all go a little mad sometimes, haven't you, Let's face it, baby these days, you gotta have the sequel, you fly back to school now little Starling, Hello and welcome back to another episode of Once Upon a Nightmare, your horror movie podcast. I am your host Lorraine Purden and this week we are going all the way back to 1985. This movie I'm going to discuss is part of one of the biggest horror franchises out there, starting back in 1980. The 1980 movie was a low-budget film and it was the start of a very lucrative franchise thanks to Sean Cunningham raking in around £470 at the box office in total. I have covered a few of the Friday the 13th films with Stuart from British Murders in our big three episodes. We didn't finish that project, but go check those out. But for this episode, I am covering the fifth movie in the franchise, and this is Friday the 13th, A New Beginning. If the memory of Jason still haunts you... You're not alone. (laughs) Friday the 13th, part five, a new beginning. Severe trauma at age 12. Brutal self-defense murder of a psychopathic killer. Boy, they've given him every therapy they can think of. It's wonder his mind isn't fried with all the drugs I've given (laughs) him. murderous fury that was buried with Jason has been reborn and suddenly terror has become child's play. Friday the 13th Part 5, A New Beginning. A New Beginning was directed by Danny Steinman. He wrote it along with Martin Kitrosser and David Cohen. We have two Jasons here. The opening scene is played by Johnny Hawk, and I think he appears in the barn scene, and the other is played by Tom Morga. There is another Jason, but I'm going to go into that in a bit. I was recently at For The Love of Horror in Manchester, which is a horror con type of thing, and Tom Morga was there. So I did get to see him in person. Didn't chat to him, but did get to see him. So this movie, a few years have passed since Tommy, played by Corey Feldman, came face to face with Jason. He is now older. And this Tommy is played by John Shepard. And he's been having some issues. He's been moved from many psychiatric hospitals since the attack. And he's now sent to a halfway house near Crystal Lake for disturbed teenagers, this place is called Pinewood and it's run by the usual generic guy we tend to see in these movies and his name is Matt and he is played by Richard Young and he is helped by Pam played by Melanie Kinnaman. After a brutal murder by another occupant within the home more murders start to happen at the hands of Jason. And there are a lot of killings in this film. Tommy being older happened because Corey Feldman could no longer commit to the role. He was filming for the Goonies at the time, which obviously everybody knows who the Goonies is. Massive film and obviously a really good move for his career because he did have a great movie career in the 80s. So the script had to be rewritten and Corey Feldman did in fact play a cameo at the beginning of the movie, but this one is based on him older. The film doesn't appear to have been very well received. It had a budget of 2.2 million and it did make just under 22 million worldwide. So there is a profit there, but Rotten Tomatoes are uh, saying that the rating on this one is 3.2. So yeah, not a good score. Personally, I don't think that this is a great movie, but I tend to go into these types of movies knowing that. So that actually means I can enjoy it. It is what it is and it's there to show you some kills. And if you're into it, Naked Ladies, which I'm not. I'm not really the target audience for this movie at all. I haven't watched many horror icon films. This franchise is just not up there with the others. But I'm not looking for greatness when I watch these films. I do love the first one, but I just take it for what it is. There isn't much of a story, and even the kills are a bit bland. We barely even see Jason or the kills, and there is definitely no overkill that we have seen in other movies. And I'm not one for the gore, but this just kind of felt a bit lazy. There was nothing behind the kills, no passion for the craft, so to speak. And I think that's because, you know, him, Jason and Myers, for instance, they just kind of kill because it's what they do. And even though the Jason in this one wasn't the Jason, he kind of want you know, he acted the same as Jason. So everyone would think it was Jason, even though Jason's not alive, if you get what I mean. Um, but, you know, when we see the likes of Kruger or Mick Taylor, these guys, you know, they, they love what they do. They live in their best life. They enjoy it and they they have big personalities. Whereas I find with the likes of the Jason character, there's not really much there. But despite enjoying the killers with more personality, there's something about the quiet, slow, silent type. And I do keep coming back for the Friday the 13th franchise and, of course, I'm always up for the Halloween franchise, so there must be something in it if I keep coming back to it. And I always kind of feel a bit sorry for Jason and Michael, for that matter, as there isn't really much going on upstairs. While Jason's human, there's nothing really human about him. And I don't mean in the sense that when we tend to speak of killers, we're like, they're not human. I mean, there's just nothing there. They, the, both of them, they're kind of just existing They're not really alive. They're just like these empty vessels that go around killing people. There's no real human behind the mask. But this Jason is more of a piece of shit Jason, Jason. Because this guy's not Jason. (laughs) Yes, he has the mask, the look, and he likes to kill people. But after the death of Jason in the fourth one, how could he come back? Movies can't bring back characters. Well, they can't, but not this time. This time, it's an old, grieving father who's lost his son... Joey. Joey was Bruce Lee murdered. Joey is really annoying. And you kind of, he had it coming. You can only say that when it comes to films. So he's really annoying, this guy called Victor. And yes, Victor may overreact, but you know, it's too much for him and he puts an axe into him. And this inspired the father, who nobody really knows that he's the dad of this kid, to uh, take on the role of Jason and kind of use him as a way of getting back to these kids. So with the Friday the 13th movies, we don't really tend to get that final girl like we do in the other ones. No Sydney, no Laurie, no Nancy. But we do get a bit of a constant with some of the films, and that is with Tommy Jarvis. Tommy we see pop up in four as a kid, and we have him in also this movie and six. And that is known apparently as the Tommy Jarvis trilogy. I didn't know that, just found that out today. But this film is supposed to be like a new beginning for Tommy, and it doesn't really go as planned. He's really struggled since the attack by Jason when he was a child, which is to be expected. But if this film is anything to go by, by the time he went from four to five, he's just gotten worse. And the movie doesn't show any signs of him getting better. He is a quiet type. You never really see him smile. He looks very empty, but he's also prone to violent outbursts, which shows he's unable to control his emotions. Plus, he does suffer from some really disturbing nightmares about Jason, and he just can't escape the curse of him, even when he's asleep the th- I think the thing with the issue with Tommy is is we can't really see him as a protagonist, and I feel like that's what he's supposed to be in here when people come back in horror movies, it's so they can like save the get the day, take you know the bad guy down but tommy he's just not that guy. I feel like he's too far gone, and when we get a brutal killing you know at the house this one is of uh Joey that I mentioned this shows there's no real safe space for Tommy. So he's come here and he's watched this kid be murdered. And this is supposed to be a safe place for him to get the help he needs and to escape the torture of his mind. And then one of the residents goes all crazy with an axe and it just kind of starts up for him again, I suppose. And the kills, once it starts, they just keep coming really quickly. We don't really see much of Jason for the kills. And it's we only really see him when Tommy thinks about him. The film also does have a very, very sleazy element to it. No females in this movie had heard of a bra. Well, I think they had, but the guy that was running it hadn't. There are many, many boob shots and lingering ones at that. The director actually made his debut in porn, it shows, a 1973 film called High Rise. So you can see why this is so badly done when it comes to showing boobs. And why is it always the women that are naked? Don't get me wrong, I have zero interest in seeing some fella's dick flying about the screen. But, you know, we need to level the playing field. It's always the women you see naked. We might get a butt here and there, a bloke, but that is about it. There are no characters here that are really that likeable, but they are very entertaining. I will give them that. They are so over the top, and the director was known to just kind of let them get on with it and do what they wanted. He didn't really sound that involved, and I read that he did a lot of coke on set, so maybe that's what it was. They are all extremely annoying, so you don't care one bit what happens to them, and you don't care who gets killed. So actually, there maybe there are two characters we like, and they have like this great relationship, and that is Reggie. He's played by this cute little kid called Shaver Ross. And his grandpa, George, who was played by Vernon Washington, they are nice characters. And there is one more that I find quite entertaining and and nice, which I will talk about in a bit. But yes, as this film is all about kills and boobs, let's get into the kills. And I probably will mention boobs again. The first we see is when Corey Feldman is checking in on Jason to make sure he is still dead. He's visiting that graveyard, visiting his buddy. And... They said that this was actually filmed near his home where he lived in his neighbor's garden because he was too busy with the Goonies and didn't have time to uh, go off and shoot a lot. So he basically just, here, here's the garden, shoot the scene, done. It's not a big scene. Um, two morons come along laughing and joking, want to dig up Jason, but Jason kills him because, you know, he's come back alive. But this is a nightmare and it just kind of leads you into the Tommy we have now and shows you what is going on in his mind every time he closes his eyes. I've already mentioned Joey, and I was glad he was shut up. Then we have Vinny and Pete. These guys are quite angry with each other over the car. They're really quite annoying. There's some tone there that they were if the characters had been explored, they would have been a gay couple. And they really did shove a blowtorch thing down Vinny's throat to make it look like it was a he was given a blowjob. So yeah. They were really going on, but we didn't get to see that glorious relationship um, uh, thrive. These lovely gay men, that would have been nice. And Pete has the standard, he sits in the car and Jason slits his throat from behind. Not much imagination on that one, we've seen it before. Next we have Billy and Lana. Billy is this gross, over-the-top bloke that is so sleazy that you would nearly kill him yourself. We see how gross he is because he's the guy that drops Tommy off and he makes this little thing with his tongue at one of the women there and the sleaze just keeps on continuing as the movie progresses and he's there to meet Lana and she's quite silly and harmless and cutesy and you feel sorry for her when she's killed. Billy gets an axe to the head and Lana gets an axe to the gut. It is one of those scenes though where she's like, where are you? Where are you? And gets in the car but... She gets, I feel like she's getting in the car to protect herself because she feels that something's not right. But the windows are open and it's just like, you know, it's just, yeah. You knew what was happening. Next we have, oh, and apparently Lana, uh, the actress who played Lana was the one who suggested the boob shop. So we get the boob shot here. But it's very playful and it's just silly. But apparently she did it, uh, come up with that. Next we have a couple going for it. And wait, wait for it. There are more boobs say hello to Eddie and Tina. There was another woman up for this role, Darcy DeMoss, but she would not get it because it would appear that she wouldn't play the game. And this was coming across more and more. Uh, and the sleazy director ended up not taking her for the role. He wanted her to lift her top so he could see what was going on under there. And, She hadn't spoken to her agent about this, and you can't just walk into an audition and lift your top. And it's not that she had a problem with nudity, but she had a problem with this particular kind of uh, exposure, which I don't blame her. He then invited her to dinner. She declined, and oh my God, she didn't get the part. I wonder why. She would go on and appear in the sixth installment, though. Tina got a meeting for the movie the one who actually played it, because her last name was Deborah Voorhees. And to be honest, I would have called her in too. She had been a Playboy Bunny, and she would become a teacher. But due to the narrow-mindedness of some of the schools she went uh, to work at, she would get fired because of the nudity, which I think is ridiculous. I wouldn't care um, if a teacher had been an actress before and happened to be nude in it. Anyway, Eddie and Tina are having some fun. And we've got the creepy guy, Raymond, who we have spotted as a drifter before and he's having a little watch but of course what happens to him he gets stabbed we didn't like him anyway we don't care Tina's death here is pretty brutal as she gets like these shears used on her eyes and this was a hard scene for her to shoot as she had to spend a lot of time with this fake blood around her eyes yes she had some sort of mask on but it kept leaking into her eyes and apparently caused her a lot of pain and it was like 13 hours or something Eddie does find her and obviously he's freaked out and he backs off but he too cops it by backing up to a tree and this like belt or strap of some sort is put around his eyes and it's just pulled tighter and tighter. So yeah, that's kind of a painful way to go. The next character is one I actually did like and this is a fun one and his name is Demon. It's kind of a cross between Michael Jackson and Eddie Murphy and he's Reggie's big brother. He's a big character chilling with his girlfriend and his dinner needs to come out in some way. And he heads off to this like weird tin can toilet thing that's in the woods. They're in the woods. And I don't know what's more gross, the death or that outhouse. And because not only would it probably be really dirty, but it's in the middle of the woods. There's going to be bugs. His girlfriend cops it first and he gets stabbed with a spear in the back. And the worst thing is he's still in the tin toilet. What a way to go. You're murdered, but you're murdered in that place. Moided in that place. (laughs) It's so gross. Then we have the mother and son, Ethel and Junior. Oh, my God. If there's, like, annoying people in this world, they are that. There is some serious wrong turn shit going on here. How unstable are they? And they just slag everybody off, especially the people at the institution. And she swears all the time and shouts at anyone in her path at all times. She's funny. But she's way too loud and she needed to be shut up. And I was kind of glad when Jason shut her up and her son. So he's not happy because he got pushed around and he's shouting and shouting and shouting and he won't stop shouting. And then Jason just cuts his head off. And I i was relieved. I wanted his head to be chopped off. And it was a sweet relief when he was silenced. And the mother gets like a cleaver to the face. And that was another peaceful moment <laughs> ethel was played by carol locatel and she wasn't really a fan of horror films but she found the script funny which i can get and that's one thing i keep when i think about these films they're just a bit of fun and that's why i like watching them and that's why i do like talking about them and to be honest like while she's really annoying she was really entertaining and she come out with some great one-liners and apparently she improvised some of that so fair play to her I do feel sorry, though, for the next guy. Next up, we've got Jake and Robin. Now, Jake likes Robin, and he tells her, but he says it in this, like, he's got a stutter, and he's really nervous, and he just says he wants to make love with you to her, and she knocks him back in the worst possible way. Never do this. Never do this to someone. She just laughs in his face. She was so out of order. I mean, you don't have to, you know, accept the offer, but you don't need to humiliate the guy or the girl, Um, you know, depending on who it is. And you could tell that this was a big deal for him to put himself out there. And she brutally shot him down. And he then make, meets his maker with a cleaver. And Robin then has to walk around topless in her bedroom, as it's been a while since we've seen any boobs. And, you know, I thought I was starting to get boob withdrawal. And I need the boobs, you know, but Robin and her boobs are not long for this world. And she gets stabbed through the, be- uh, through the, under the bed. She lies in the bed. Jake's in the bed. He did manage to get into the bed, but not the way he would have wanted. But yeah, so she gets stabbed her and her boobs. Violet is next and she's like this really moody teenager and she just gets stabbed in the gut. I wasn't really that interested in her. She does do this weird dance though. And apparently she was supposed to be stabbed in her lady parts, but they felt it was too graphic. So they didn't use it. Reggie and Pam are the only ones who give us this really cool chase scene. We don't really get many chase scenes in this movie. The deaths are kind of, you know, almost he just appears and and that's that. They're both soon realizing that something's going on and something's not good. And they do get to see Jason in all his glory bursting through the door. and it's really weird here because obviously Reggie's a little kid and he's panicking and he's not quick enough and he's not answering her enough and she's getting really annoyed with him now I get in the moment you like we need to get out of here but I thought you know I just didn't think she was very nice to him in in this moment and we have this chase scene and on their travels they're finding dead people everywhere especially Pam first of all we have Duke he was this shitty paramedic who we see at the beginning, and he's been killed off, sc- off screen. You know, oh no, nobody cares. And just in case the audience is wondering, yes, we have more boobs for you. Pam may be dressed, but that white shirt with no bra underneath isn't fooling anyone. Next, she finds Matthew with a spike to the head, and poor Pam is finding all these kills everywhere she turns. The Gramps is even thrown through a window when she manages to get into the house, and he's dead too, but we don't really see what happens to him. But then it wouldn't be a horror film if someone wasn't crawling on the ground to get away from the killer, and Pam does not disappoint. The director saw her fall in the mud and basically said, hey, that looked good, do more of that. It was an accidental scene, and she actually didn't want the revealing white shirt with nothing under it that she got she wasn't too happy about that this director was such a pervert you know like it like I know you know lads like to watch all this and you know especially if you're a young lad in the 80s it all this but it was just so pointless like they're all just so pointless and I think it's more annoying because the director just come across like a pervert and I read somewhere that apparently someone else called him on that so, yeah, she wasn't happy about that. She might as well have not been wearing anything, to be honest with you, because it was raining out and it just soaked her top. But the hero of the film is Wee Reggie. Yeah. And he does what everybody else couldn't do. He rescues uh, someone. So Pam knocks Jason off his feet with this tractor thing. I don't know if it was a tractor. It looked like one. Uh, but it's not all over. And they end up back in a barn, like what we see in part three. And Pam then goes all leather face on Jason as she jumps out with a chainsaw, but it doesn't really work properly. And she doesn't quite have the skill and technique of leather face. Tommy though, he does come back. And I will be honest, I completely forgot about him. As the whole, the commotion of Pam and uh, Reggie, I kind of forgot about him, if I'm honest with you. And Reggie saves Pam yet again by getting Jason off her. And Tommy's like, oh, I can do it too. And Then they just finally kill Jason and it's not Jason, is it? It's Roy Burns. When the mask comes off, we see it's Roy Burns, but what's really weird. You kind of see, it's like he didn't have a relationship with, um, Joey. So it's like, how, how did he have that picture? Like there's, there's a lot there that's not answered when it comes to how they were as a father and son, because from what I can gather, there wasn't really any sort of a relationship there. Um, The end does suggest that Tommy is going to go on and kill as he puts the mask on. He has the mask there. But I'll need to watch the sixth film to see what happens there as I have no recollection of that movie. I don't know if I've seen it. I probably have, but who knows. So does it bother people that Jason in this isn't really Jason? I suppose it's more of a copycat. Isn't it? It's, it's Jason doing Jason things, you know, but it, it's not Jason. So I think it's more of a copycat and they're using it within the Friday the 13th franchise. And, but to be honest with you, it didn't really take the Jason element away from me because he did look the part. And I suppose in the first one, it was all about revenge with Mrs. Voorhees. So let me know your thoughts on that. Does it bother you that it's not Jason? Jason, Jason and yeah that is my little take on friday the 13th a new beginning that was a fun one that was a fun one to write and a fun one to watch and i would actually watch it again but anyway thank you for listening and don't forget to rate and review on apple spotify and podchaser if you want any updates behind the scenes you can go over to instagram as once upon a nightmare podcast on threads as once upon a nightmare podcast on facebook as once upon a nightmare and email as once upon a nightmare pod at gmail.com Thanks for listening, stay safe, and I will chat to you soon. Bye.